You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killian. Zach, I am one of the worship leaders here in New Hope. Um, I want to start by asking you guys a question, a few questions, kind of a little game, so please play along. This will be, this will be fun. Uh, who here is familiar with the movie Field of Dreams? Yeah? All right. So there is a very popular, very famous quote from that movie. I'm going to start it. You finish it. Just say it back, all right? So it's... If you build it, they will come. Right, all right. The second thing, have you guys ever seen these characters before? Yes, all right. Do you guys remember what these guys' names are? What is this book called? The Berenstein Bears, right? All right. My third question is this. There's a very popular Bible verse. You see posters of it all the time. Um, and it, it, it goes like this. I'll start it, you finish it. Same sort of thing. Uh, and the lion will lay with the lamb. Right. All right. So here's the thing, guys. Everything we just said is absolutely wrong. Field of Dreams quote. It's not if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it, he will come. Some of you might have said that. I don't know, but I heard lots of days. All right. Berenstein Bears. It's not the Berenstein Bears. It's the Berenstain Bears. And I'm sure some of you said that too, but I heard a lot of Berensteins, right? And then that verse about the lion lamb with the lamb, that's not a Bible verse. That is nowhere in the Bible. That is not written. Now, what you do get is you get a wolf grazing with a lamb, and you get a leopard laying with a ewe, but there is no lion laying with a lamb. So why do we see pictures like that all the time? Why do we remember these things when they're not right? It's called the Mandela effect. It's this idea that we collectively remember things wrong. So at least we're getting it wrong together, right? That's good. Uh, but... It's just kind of in our nature to like think we've got it right, to, to say, oh yeah, I've always heard it that way. That must be how it is, right? But it's wrong. And so today I want to talk to you about a couple of guys that get it pretty wrong. Uh, their names are James and John. And uh, if we look at Mark chapter 10, 35 through 45, it says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. 
These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together, and then he said, You know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But that's not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so what's happening here is James and John are going to Jesus, and they're saying, look, we, we want power. Their focus is on power. It's on authority. And Jesus is turning around, and he's saying, no, you're wrong. That's not how it works here. It's all about servanthood. It's all about lowering yourself. It's all about becoming less and less to serve those around you, to love those around you in that way. That's what my kingdom is like. And so it's all about service. It's all about servanthood. That's, that's the message we're familiar with. We've heard that message. We, we get that. And I think Chrissy did an awesome job with her illustration. But that's not the part I want to focus on. I want to focus on a different aspect of what we just read. And maybe it's a little selfish, but like it's kind of about me. I, I have read this verse wrong my entire life. I have always read the verse like this. I've always read it that James and John go to Jesus and they're basically saying, Jesus, one day when we're all in heaven together, when you're seated in your glory, we want to be at your left and your right. We want to rule with you in heaven. That's how I always read it. And I don't think that's right. But the reason I always read it that way is because I live on this side of the cross. I see the end of the story. I know that Jesus is truly God incarnate, that he's God in the flesh, right? And so I take that truth. I take everything I know about scripture and I put that, I kind of plug it in to stories like this. But James and John didn't see it that way. They most likely saw Jesus the way that any Jew would be waiting for the Messiah. The Jews were waiting for a warlord. The Jews were waiting for an earthly king. They were looking for somebody to come and establish a kingdom and save them from their oppressors, right? And so now James and John are looking at Jesus and they're saying, okay, you must be the guy that's coming to save us from Rome. And when you do, when you, when you conquer Rome, when you lead this rebellion, we want to be there with you. So when you establish this new kingdom as king, we want to be there reigning with you. Their minds are on earth. They're not looking at heaven. They don't see what Jesus is trying to set up. And the reason they're doing that is because they put Jesus in a box. They made this little box for Jesus, and they've, they've kind of pinned all these attributes on him, right? And this Jesus that they've made out to be in their minds fits perfectly in this little box that they made, right? Like, he's a warlord. He's, he's, gonna, he's going to uh, be a king. He's going to set up this kingdom on earth. He's going to conquer Rome. And, and that's just who their Jesus is, right? You guys know um, there was a little song. I learned when I was a kid, and it goes, I wish I had a little white box to put my Jesus in. I'd take him out and, and put him back again, right? Do you remember that? Anybody at all? Okay, well, maybe I just had a warped childhood. But <laughs> here's the thing. I've gone my whole life 
remembering that song, and it wasn't until like the last two weeks when I'm like, that is an incredibly theologically imperfect song. Like, (laughs) nobody should be teaching their kids that. But we all live up to that pretty well. I think a lot of us carry around this little white box, and we've sort of made our own versions of Jesus, and he fits in our little box, you know? And what I mean by that is, like, I'll get on YouTube, and I'll type in sermons, and I'll start listening to the sermons, or I'll, I'll listen on the radio or on TV to, like, televangelists, and so often, these sermons sound like I'm listening to, like, a chapter out of a self-help novel or something. Like, it's like, oh, Jesus wants you to be wealthy. And Jesus wants you to be healthy and happy. And everything's just going to go well for you because Jesus is your little sidekick. And he's here to glorify you and help you and make your life better, right? It's like we get this, like, sort of spun narrative in which we're not really here for Jesus. Jesus is almost here for us. You've heard that before, I'm sure. Um, I, though, have done the same thing. I can't blame these people too bad because I did the same thing growing up. I heard about Jesus as a kid, and I kind of painted this picture of Jesus in my mind. I had my own little white box for Jesus. I would, uh, I would think about Jesus as this happy-go-lucky, never-mad kind of guy. Like, he would never condemn me for anything I did. He, he was on my side. And I, I sort of saw it as like a license to sin almost. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus is, he forgives me. He doesn't care. Everything's fine. Everything's good because Jesus is so happy. And then I remember I was in Panama City Beach, Florida, and I was on a youth retreat and uh, we had like quiet time every day where we were supposed to go read our Bibles. And so I sat down at a bench on the beach and I started reading the gospel. And I just remember sitting there and I'm reading and Jesus is telling people that they are whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones, and Jesus is flipping tables and cracking bullwhips, and he's mad, and he's almost mean in his tone at times. And I'm sitting here, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't Jesus. Like, this is not who I have come to know as Jesus. Like, and it really bothered me. It upset me because I didn't like this Jesus. This Jesus made me feel bad. This Jesus kind of put me in my place, and I didn't want that. I wanted this superficial, happy, hippie Jesus that doesn't exist. And so I, for years, had shoved Jesus down into this little box that I had made. And that little box, while he was in that little box, he couldn't hurt me. He couldn't make me feel bad about things because the Jesus that I'd made wouldn't do that, right? And that's, that's kind of what James And John did. And the thing is, I think if we get really honest with ourselves, we all do that. I think we all come to conclusions about who Jesus is, who God is. And it's not always biblical. It's not always accurate. But we like to think it that way, so we just go on believing it that way. I think we do the same thing with the church. I think, uh, I know a lot of us, we're, we're a non-denominational church here at New Hope, and so there's a ton of people from different backgrounds here. Um, and when we 
are raised up in a tradition, we kind of take those ideas of that tradition and go, oh, this is how it's supposed to look, right? And so then when we walk into somebody else's church, we can walk in and be like, oh, this carpet's all wrong. You know, this doesn't, this does not glorify the Lord, you know, or, or oh man, that stage, that's too big. Or maybe the stage is too small. Maybe there shouldn't be a stage at all. Maybe, um, uh, you know, I, I wish they had a band, right? I wish they just had an organ. I remember when we just had organs. Or, you know, I think we should just play contemporary music because if we just play contemporary music, that's going to get the younger crowd because that's what they want. Or, no, you know what? I think we need to stick to hymns because that always worked well and they're theologically correct, you know? And it's, uh, oh, you know, podium, no podium, you know, one, one pastor in charge of everything or a team of pastors in charge of everything, uh, elders, a council. Like, there's all these preferences and it's like, some of it's biblical, but some of it, a lot of it, is just our preferences. We build this little box, and we take God, and we take Jesus, and we take the church, and we shove it all down in this little box where everything fits and everything's comfortable for you and me. But it's not real. It's not the real Jesus. It's not the real church. It's just what it looks like in our heads. Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus, God, the church are all too big to be placed in a little box. We can't put limits on God. We can't put limits on the church. Because when we do things like that, we miss the bigger picture. We miss who Jesus really is. We miss what the church can really be. We push people out because they don't look like us or talk like us or act like us. Or maybe they don't think about Jesus in the same way we do. When in fact, maybe those people are just as much a Christian as we are. And so what I want us to do today is ask ourselves, have I put Jesus in a box? If so, how? What, what, what about my Jesus is wrong? What have I attributed to him? What have I attributed to the church that's wrong? And the thing is, there's only one way to know that. It's sort of like this. You guys are all sitting here in this room, and you're looking at me. And some of you know me well, and others not so well. And the thing is, like, all of you have your own version of who I am. Because you've kind of painted this picture in your head based off of what you do know about me. Whether it's a little bit or a lot, you have an idea of who I am, but it may or may not be accurate. Because the only way to get to know who somebody really is, is to walk right up to them and say, hi, I'm Zach. What are you like? Who are you? Tell me about yourself. I'd like to get to know more about you. And the thing is, I think we do the same thing with Jesus. I think we do the same thing with the church. We kind of observe from a distance and we learn through what we hear, what we, what we might read you know, here or there. But really the only way to get to know Jesus, the only way to get to know what the church really is, who God really is, the heart of God, is to pick up this book and open it because he's right here. This is how you get to know him. You can walk right up and you can open this book and you can say, Jesus, I want to know who you are. I want to know what the church is. 
I want to know who I am. Because when we open this up and when we lay down all those other presuppositions, all those things we think we understand about God, all those things we think we know, when we come and just open this and say, look, maybe I don't know and I want to know, we can learn because there is a black and white truth in this. Things are laid out distinctively. When you read this, you will find truth. And when you find truth, the more you know the truth, the more you realize that there's a lot of other things we've just kind of tagged on and said, oh, and this, and this, and this, when it's not really in this book. And so what I challenge you, what I ask you to do is get in the word of God. Get to know him better. I need to do this better. I'm so bad about reading my Bible. It's so hard for me to sit down and just read and like absorb it. I've got to read the same page like three times sometimes. And I just feel stupid when I do that. But like, that's the only way to get this stuff. Get a podcast, listen to it daily. Their daily audio Bible. I've been listening to that like crazy lately. It's great. But we need to walk up to Jesus we need to extend a hand, whether we ever have it all or whether maybe it's been a little while since you have, but you need to introduce or reintroduce yourself to Christ and say, Jesus, I want to know you better. And it starts with this book. And so the band's going to come back up here in just a second. And I want to pray for us. Father, I just pray that we can get to know you get to know who you really are, get to know Jesus, to understand the church better. I thank you so much for your word, that you've revealed yourself to us through it. You've made it so readily available to us. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on each one of us and convict us to pursue a relationship with you deeper, to know you better, to know you for who you truly are and not just who we think you are. I thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and all that he did for us on the cross. And I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.